Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is Luke chapters 1 and 2. Grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I'm Pastor Amanda Zanzalo, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, true confession. This is a little bit of a follow-up from the Christmas pageant that we talked about a few weeks ago. Absolutely. And the reason it is, is because why? Because the pageant is this weekend. We're in the process of receiving all the videos. They're coming into our emails and on our cell phones, and they will be spliced together throughout this week. And this weekend is the great pageant reveal. It will be fantastic or premiere, shall we call it. Excellent. So you did get it written. It will be on the podcast page for this episode. Yes. And what, again, was your topic? So we were really hoping this year, pun intended, to Mm -hmm. focus on hope. And we talked a couple weeks ago about the kind of aspiration that we would be able to take these concepts of how you actually have skills that build hope and resiliency. These are things that you can work on. It's not just something that you think, oh, well, I should hope about things more. Well, and it's not necessarily something you're going to innately have either. Not at all, right? Hope is something that you actually can build as a skill. And Mm -hmm. it's a tool that there are things that can increase your capacity to have hope. And so with a tiny little dive into hope and resiliency, I sat through some scripture and kind of dug through it in order to find ways to see where those kinds of skills would come into play through the scripture for families. And then I got it all written up and I did eventually get it up online on our previous one, but the most recent version, because we've had a couple more families want to join in. So I've added extra scenes, a prelude and a postlude. Excellent. So those scenes have been added into the script and that updated script will be available on the podcasting page. Now this brings us back to why Luke chapters one and two. This tells the story for Christmas, right? This is a Christmas pageant and we're wanting to tell the nativity story. But I wanted to tell a little bit more than just the there's the no decree room at went the out end. and they yeah. have to. Okay, okay, exactly. Like I think that that's two scenes out of now twelve. <laughs> okay, and part of it was that we have a lot of young families that could do this, and so we needed more to tell than a couple of verses. And so I went ahead and took a look at the whole sort of piece, the whole beginning chapter one and fairly far into chapter two that leads us at least through the first eight days of Jesus's life. So we're ending with the naming ceremony of Jesus. Okay. So it's not like you took a step back and went back to pregnant Mary talking to pregnant Elizabeth. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So you really expanded on both sides. Exactly. So we, and actually with extra families joining in, we start with Luke chapter one, verse one. Okay. And it was really fascinating and fun because we could look at that and I sent it out. This was one of the pieces that was added. A prelude piece was added on. And the first four verses of the gospel of Luke are the gospel writer saying to someone, person of God, all of these things have been written down. 
And I want to tell you this story. I've studied it from the beginning and I want to tell you the story so that you know that this is true. And so it's almost like a princess bride opening. Okay. (laughs) Right? Where you have the grandfather reading to the grandson Mm -hmm. this story. And you have in the very beginning of the Gospel of Luke, you have, oh, great Theophilus, I want to tell you this story. And so I added the prelude back in. And so we have this opportunity for one of our students to imagine, well, who is the gospel writer? And we don't actually know a lot of factual detail about the gospel writers. And so who is this person? Here's some things we think we know about the gospel writer of Luke. We think they might have been a physician of some kind because they talk about healing a lot. Okay. And some people have wondered whether or not the gospel writer of Luke might have been a woman because there's so much more of the woman's voice in the Gospel of Luke as compared to the other Gospels. And we don't know. So just opening up that wondering for that student and to say that where we find hope in this is that we tell each other stories. We learn how to tell one another stories and that these stories matter to help us to believe in things. And so now we start with the very beginning with a narrator who gets to set the scene of, I'm going to tell you this story. And it's kind of fun. And then we go from the very beginning, it's Gabriel shows up, the angel shows up, not first to Mary, the angel first shows up to Zachariah. Okay. And so that's where we start. We start with Zachariah and Elizabeth and the promise of John the Baptist. And then we see Gabriel come again to see Mary and hopefully... I mean, who knows? These are one-minute videos with kids. Sure. You can see the parallel between Gabriel coming to Zechariah and Elizabeth and the birth of John the Baptist and Gabriel coming to Mary and the birth of Jesus. And we follow Zechariah and Elizabeth and John all the way through John's naming day. And we follow Mary and Jesus through Jesus's naming day. So you have these two parallel stories, and through these two parallel stories, also Zechariah is silenced throughout the entire first portion of his part of the story, regains his voice on the day of naming John, and Joseph has his first lines at the naming of Jesus in our script. Mm -hmm. So to be fair, right? He's present, but he doesn't actually have anything to say. So... It was so much fun to sit and really dig into these first two chapters and take them section by section and come up with questions and imaginations and opportunities. You know, each section has a little background blurb and then a kind of an imagination time, like what would an angel look like and what would they smell like? And is their voice really big or is their voice really small? And those kinds of fun questions, what are they wearing? How many so people have shown up for the party? Actually, give them direction on. I need you to stand here, say this, wear this, use this kind of voice. This is all their interpretation of whatever you sent them. There's a scene suggestion okay. for each one with like some lines on it so that if they wanted, they could use that. But before that, I have like a whole section so that we could focus in on that hope skill. Sure. So if we were focusing in on the fact that relationships across generations help us 
to build hope and resiliency because we can see those who have been through something. If we're talking to someone older than us, we know that someone older than us has experienced something and has gotten through it. So we can hope to be able to do the same. And on the reverse, if we've been through an experience that we see someone younger than us experiencing, we can see how we survived it and tell our story and build our own resiliency. So in this scene where Elizabeth and Mary are spending time together, it's the final trimester that Elizabeth is experiencing during Mary's first trimester. Okay. They're at opposite ends of their pregnancies. They're at opposite ends of their pregnancy. So now Elizabeth is able to help Mary through the first trimester. Mary gets to see what the final trimester looks like. And the scripture is unclear and scholars are not clear on whether or not Mary remained through the birth. And so the opportunity for that conversation in that scene is to say, what do you think those three months were like for those women? Do you think they became close friends? Do you think they spent a lot of time together? How would they have related to one another in that time? Did Mary stay for the birth? If she did, did she help? Which means that she would have an example of what birth is like mm -hmm. when it came time for her own experience. Even though she would be alone in, in a barn or alone, mm -hmm. right? She would have the experience of what birth is because she had been present with Elizabeth, whom she had spent months with in advance, building relationship and building hope and resiliency on her own, right? So I didn't give them like specifics on how to show that, but did say, what do you think they did? What do you think they talked about? What does your imagination say that these two women did for three months together? And then let the families have fun. And there's, you know, like key points. Sure. You can use this scene suggestion or you can remember these key points that really do need to be covered. Okay. You know. So use your imagination. An angel visited. But I need yeah. this, this, and this to come out of this. Yeah. I need you to know that an angel showed up, that Mary said yes, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Like we, to get to the next point in the story, you got to have the connective tissue. Exactly. So whether or not all the kind of background stuff will come out in the one minute videos, who knows? But that was kind of the meat and the fun of creating the pageant and sending it out to the families, you know, and it's about two pages per family. Mm -hmm. to look through a background and some imagination questions and then creating the actual filming. I cannot tell you how utterly fascinated I am. I was expecting that they got more and that you kind of just threw them bits and pieces and said, go for it. <laughs> Use your imagination. Have fun. I can't wait to see what they came up with. I will say I've seen in one of them, there's a really fabulous John the Baptist who happens to be a guinea pig. Oh, nice. <laughs> so awesome. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that is going to be outstanding. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Because truly, children's imaginations are so much more rich and vast than anything we could hand them on paper. If you encourage their imagination and you help them to know that the scripture is there for them to play with and to live into. You were never worried about giving them that kind of free license to use their imagination and come up with something? No, because wow. they had the scripture, like they still had sure. the, you know, five or six verses to read. They were invited to read them as a family together. 
So the scripture is there, but the questions and that, how do you let it breathe? How do you let it live? How do you make it relatable? It's not like they're going to jump off into some heretical pond. (laughs) In 2020, man, I make no predictions. (laughs) It's the Christmas pageant, right? True. They're, you know, I doubt that they would jump so far off stream with a familiar story. Sure. There's nuance and there's subtlety. And for a one minute filming, I don't think there's much long-term harm you can do by letting your imagination run on trying to figure out what it would it be like to have wanted to have a kid for years and years and years and never be able to. Mm -hmm. And then for an angel to show up when you got to serve in the big church and tell you you're finally going to get to have a kid. You're not going to jump off a heretical pole Hopefully not, no. Well, let me ask you this. In the two chapters, did you find you had a hard time coming up with enough bits? Or was it, oh, I have to skip this because I need to get from here to here and I don't have time for certain things? It was a little hard when we we wanted to give grace. We were already thinking that we were going to be maybe on the edge trying to find 10 families sure. who had the time and capacity to do this sure. in this kind of season. Our schools are not out. It's super busy. Schools are not out right now. People are tired. Mm-hmm. So originally I had written it where like with the Magnificat, I had broken the Magnificat in half. So it would be two different scenes. Mm-hmm. But we opted to try to aim to have 10 scenes. And so the Magnificat shrunk into one scene. Okay. You know, there were things like that. But otherwise, the entirety of Luke chapter one through Luke chapter two, like I think verse 22, maybe Mm -hmm. all of the verses are represented. Okay. So we didn't skip over anything. We just went straight through and they're all covered by the families. So yeah. The prelude was the piece that I didn't think that we would get to use with it being a narrator who opens it up for us. Mm -hmm. I will say that I had to think extra hard to make certain that I could find the hope skill Mm. for that opening and looking for that hope skill for when Jesus was having his naming day and they were going to the temple. The next section, if we had added a 13th or a 14th scene, would be Simeon and Anna. And those are intergenerational conversations. So you wouldn't go back hope. and break apart other things to add more? They were already with a, with no, the families. No, I'm talking like in the future. You would just oh. keep going down the line in Luke. No, you could break it up. Okay. If this were to need to be done again, or if this were to be done again just for funsies, you could break it up a whole lot more for sure. Okay. Were there parts of this that you were excited to get to in this particular version that you haven't had a chance to cover with the kids in the past? I was excited that maybe not just the kids, because the kids may or may not show up on Sunday to watch the whole thing. Sure. Right. So I wanted each section to stand on its own as something about the Christmas story that families could engage at this time. But I'm really hoping that the whole congregation gets to see how Elizabeth and Mary were interwoven and how John and Jesus are interwoven. I think we sort of recognize the importance of John the Baptist. We hear about him a lot in Advent, but I think there's so much more that our imaginations could run with. Mm -hmm. If this was the woman that Mary went to and spent key months of her birth pregnancy with, and they had boys that were 
sent to them by the angel Gabriel. Sure. (laughs) Right? Like they both had an angel visitation. They both had this experience of divine conversation. I wonder if they were like a mom group. I know they were geographically distanced from one another, Mm -hmm. but you know how, or at least I hear about women who have children at the same time, Mm -hmm. who become really close friends and they talk to each other about raising kids. John and Jesus were only six months apart from one another and their mothers had that really strong connection prenatal. And so it makes me begin to imagine and wonder what was their relationship as young boys, as teenagers? Oh, I never think of them as being contemporaries. I solely think of it as a baton pass, right? From one to the other. I never think about them interacting any other way. But can you imagine what they would have been like in their teens and 20s before either of them begin their public ministries, right? They had lives where they went these different ways. And John starts his public ministry long before Jesus does. And is this kind of prophet who's doing this speaking out and this calling out and yet knows that Jesus is the Messiah, right? And what is the dynamic between these two? And given the challenges of the dynamics between Jesus and his family and his siblings Mm -hmm. that we see in our gospels, it just makes me wonder if Jesus and John were the closer relationship than Jesus and his brothers and sisters. Which then leads to just imaginative questions around what does this mean then when John is beheaded and how that impacts Jesus? Just this whole line of you asking, imagine this, imagine this, is so counter to how I learned in catechism from the Catholic Church. I can't, I can't, I got to really stop and think about it. And it kind of feels heretical to stop (laughs) and think about it like that. And yet it's fascinating right? And you don't know if it's right. And I put that right in air quotes, but it does call us towards our faith, right? It calls us to engage and wonder. I think that's part of why the Sunday School Godly Play, which is kind of Montessori based Mm -hmm. with all the wonder, I wonder and I notice comes from, you know, I wonder what it was like for Jesus and John to grow up as contemporaries. I notice that Mary sticks around for three months. I wonder what it was like for them to spend that time together. I wonder how gentle Elizabeth was with Mary in her morning sickness. Sure. Fascinating questions. I wonder what it was like for Mary to see how swollen her feet were going to get in the final months of her pregnancy. And I wonder what she might have done to prepare herself for that long journey knowing what was coming because she had been with Elizabeth in her final months, right? Those kinds of questions and that imagining, there's nothing wrong in doing that. There's nothing heretical. There's nothing that's going to take you down a pathway. It just opens up your heart to imagining God in the world. And that's what Christmas is about, is that God came into this world as a human being and experienced these things. It's just fun. Yeah. It's super fun. I love it. Okay. That's going to lead me to my last question. Do you look forward to this story every year? That's a, it's a good question. I don't know. I think that sometimes I get, I'm so busy. Sure. That I don't get the chance to really sit and encounter it and have these kinds of imaginations. This year has been really hard. I mean, I think everyone knows 2020 has been really hard. Absolutely. 
at Central Lutheran, we've had a really hard month. It's been a big emotional month for our community. And to be given the opportunity to sit in my house with a fire going and to write questions like this, imaginative questions like this for our youngest members from midnight to 3 a.m., because that's literally when I do my best writing. So everything is quiet and the Christmas lights were on on my Christmas tree and a fire was going and I was just on my laptop with everything else closed down, writing these wondering questions and imagining our kids encountering the story and finding hope in the story and imagining families and parents talking with their kids about this stuff and frankly imagining parents encountering this right yeah and the parents getting to ask these questions and wonder these things maybe for the first time in their lives that was really unique in my ministry's experience and really beautiful and powerful so I hope it comes across in the video I hope that people have fun with it I hope it's a great resource for folks, whether anyone ever uses it again, because when will we ever have to record our Christmas pageant and film it again? God willing, never. Yeah, never say never. <laughs> right. God willing, this doesn't have to be this way next year, but it's an option. And, and it was really fun and beautiful. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about Luke chapters one and two. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I, and thank you all for listening along. If you would like to see the Christmas pageant of hope that the kids have created, you are welcome to come and join us this coming Sunday at 10.15 a.m. Or you can find us on facebook.com slash centrallutheran slash live and look for the fourth Sunday of Advent live stream, and the video will be in there. If we do get it uploaded on its own to a YouTube channel, perhaps we can add the link onto our webpage and you can find it there. But for now, that's going to be the easiest way. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.